Hunt Show. Dave Doran of NC State will join us in about 35 minutes. Dave Clawson of Wake Forest, kind enough to call us from Birmingham, Alabama. Coach Clawson is one of the few in the country that had a first-hand look at two of the teams playing in the national championship semifinals, Clemson and Notre Dame. But he has his own fish to fry right now. Just yesterday, I've been covering recruiting for 31 years in this state. It is not often that Wake Forest gets two of the top 10 players in the state, the high school senior class here in North Carolina. They did that yesterday. And it, it's not only not often, it's never happened that the Demon Deacons have won bowl games in back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back years. Three straight bowls, three straight wins. That has never happened, but it could happen and will happen if the Deeks can beat 8-5 and five Memphis this Saturday in the Birmingham Bowl. That is a noon game nationally televised on ESPN. Coach Dave Clawson, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you on. You and I were born less than 24 hours apart, sort of at the end of the civil rights era in the 1960s. Uh, tell us, you and your team had an educational experience in Birmingham where you went to a civil rights museum. What'd you learn? I mean, it, it was incredible, uh, you know, that we're right in the heart of, of where a lot of the civil rights movement occurred. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to see the, the, the 16th Avenue Baptist Church, which was bombed in 63, and even uh, Legion Field, where we're playing a football game, is the game that was played in 1970 that USC came in with Sam Cunningham and beat Alabama, who at the time was all white. And that's the game that Bear Bryant said did more for desegregation in the South than any civil rights march or any bill that was ever passed in Congress. And... Uh, it's kind of interesting that Wake Forest, that we were the first school in a Confederate state that played an African-American player. And in 67, when we last played Memphis, we started Freddie Summers. It was the first African-American quarterback to start for a school in the Confederate state. So um, it's, a, it's a really interesting history that our kids realize that our program is part of. Dave Clawson is joining us. Leave it to Wake Forest to not only crank out impressive people and student athletes, et cetera, they have civil rights-related angles in their football past as they play a game in Birmingham, Alabama. It's the Deeks against 8-5 and five Memphis this Saturday in the Birmingham Bowl. I don't think we have spoken with you since you all rallied down the stretch just to make a bowl. Coach, NC State has had one of its best seasons ever in terms of wins. They're 9-3 and three as they go to the Gator Bowl. You beat them. We were there at Carter-Finley uh, as a heavy underdog. And then you not only beat another bowl team, Duke, you went to Duke and won 59-7. to seven. How did you make that magical run down the stretch just to lead you to this bowl opportunity? You know what? Our, our kids did a, a great job that, you know, at 4-5 and five after losing to Syracuse, I mean, I think with lesser character kids, that could have easily become a four and eight season. And uh, we credit our players. They kept working, studying film, practicing hard, and uh, really came up with some great plays in the NC State game in the fourth quarter to find a way to win that. And our players knew a bowl game was at stake at Duke and just probably played our best game of the year. I think our, our kids were excited to play. Uh, and it showed. And it was just one of those games that we won the turnover battle four to nothing. Uh, that resulted in 28 points. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those days that we played really well and we couldn't have picked a better time to do it. When I was a young journalist, before I got into this goofy radio business, 
I actually covered a lot of recruiting. And I remember being invited sometimes to a campus where I would see the old school faxes roll in, you know, sign on the dotted line, national letter of intent. I've heard that faxes still matter in 2018 on National Signing Day, but I have never heard, I'm sure it's happened to somebody else, you guys basically had to have a recruiting headquarters yesterday that is one of the first I've ever heard of that is not in your own football offices or at your own campus. How, how does... How does it work when you're in Birmingham, Alabama on National Signing Day? It was really no different, David. And I was worried about it. And I was concerned that, hey, we're going to be off campus when signing day is going on. And it was my, uh, my first ever fax-free signing day. So everything now was done All right. uh, by text, electronically, uh, email. And, again, being of a uh, generation born in the 60s, I didn't think we could get this done without a fax machine, and now I'm liberated. <laughs> so what did you do? Just, like, take over a banquet room at the hotel? No, we, we took over. Uh, we're right next to a really nice convention center, and they have a really nice staff room, and we had a long table, and we had all of our coaches around the table, all of our support staff on the outside. We had a compliance officer there. Uh, we had uh, our social media team there. Uh, we had our SID there. And the kids would either text in the letter, uh, the financial aid agreement and the letter of intent, and he would validate it because they would have to email it to him. So it was on his email, and then he would give us the thumbs up that we can go public with it. So it was really no different. Um, and it's one of those things you look back and say, geez, why did I worry about it so much? But uh, it was the first time through for us. And, again, just like last year, 20 letters out, 20 letters in. The last one was in by 815. And the only reason that one took so late to get back is he was uh, sending it in from the central time zone. So it was a really efficient day for us. Dave Clawson of Wake Forest joining us live from the Birmingham Bowl. Breaking barriers, learning about civil rights, no faxes for the first time, and a satellite recruiting headquarters set up near their Birmingham hotel. Impressive stuff. Even more impressive, the chance to go for the first back-to-back-to-back bowl victories. And as a follower of recruiting, I was taken aback, Coach, that you got two of the consensus top ten players in the state of North Carolina. I have not seen that happen a lot. And you can help me with the pronunciation of one. But Donovan Green, a wideout from Mount Airy. And is it Nolan Gruel from from the Charlotte area? Nolan Gruel, yep. He's in the Charlotte area. And he played at Davidson Day. And that would be the fourth player uh, that we got from a program that no longer exists. Right. And uh, then he finished his career at Huff. But, uh, you know, David, I'd love it sometime if you'd come up and see the new facilities we've built. I think if you saw our indoor, uh, the new Sutton Sports Performance Center that we're about to move into, I don't think it would surprise you that we got these kids. Uh, we've really made a major commitment to football. And, uh, again, I'd love you to come up sometime in the spring and give you a tour and show you around. Is the lowly paid sports radio host allowed to buy the highly compensated coach dinner and a beer if you show me uh, the facilities? Ab- would... Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. I'll even, I'll even let you buy me, too, as long as you're driving. That's a deal. Dave Clawson is joining us from the Birmingham Bowl. Okay, facilities, and my common sense tells me, okay, I'll be overwhelmed by these facilities just as they were. To help us understand how just wins matter. And, and I've read as well that many of your guys say – you know, it's almost like dating or asking a girl to the prom. If you were the first one to ask her, 
rather than the guy who maybe asked her fourth because your first three or others turned you down or whatever, you're early with your offers, and a lot of kids have remembered that. And now you're a three-straight bowl, maybe three-straight bowl victory program rather than trying to recruit to three and nine. How does that translate in the real world? I, I think it all helps, David. Obviously, you know, before we were recruiting to a vision, and now, you know, we're recruiting with success. And I think the other thing is that we have never based our recruiting off of recruiting rankings or other people's evaluations. Uh, I always tell the coaches, if you believe he can play here and you want him in your room, offer him. Yeah. And, you know, it turns out some of these guys get a bunch of offers and others of them, we might be their only offer. So Jesse Bates, we were the only power five offer that he had, um, you know, and, and some other players get, get lots of offers. So it's more based on, how we evaluate in the players that we like rather than have it validated by rivals or 247. I'm sure every prospect is different, but have you seen with some that your early loyalty, like I knew you were great before the rest of the world figured out that you were great, does that early stuff end up paying off at the end maybe if somebody tries to steal them at the last minute? Yeah, I think when we are the first offer and we've been recruiting a guy for two years, uh, it helps when someone else tries to step in with two weeks late, later. So uh, there's no question that getting on a player early and someone you believe in and forming a relationship uh, helps recruiting and helps down the stretch when they get the four or five other offers. What have you heard from your seniors, Coach, who started with you uh, with a 3-9 and nine campaign, I guess, depending on if they're fourth or fifth-year guys, and didn't want to leave this place with their last year being a non-bowl. Uh, even though you got to a bowl, seven and six is a lot prettier combination of numbers than six and seven would be after Memphis. You know, it's funny, David. You, you're saying that. I'm sitting next to Phil Haynes and Nate Gillum and Chuck Wade, and I've got a bunch of guys with me that went through those three and nine seasons. And I think there's no question for our core group of leaders uh, you know, those seasons will either make you or break you. And in our case, I think it made us who we are. And there was a determination and a work ethic that we learned from those, those early years. Is my cousin Cam Glenn also nearby? He's from the better-looking half of the family. But I just want to make sure. No, Cam, Cam Glenn is not here. Cam Glenn is uh, – there's two different uh, kind of community service projects we're doing. We have a group going to uh, the hospital right now. And then we have another group that's working with underprivileged kids. Uh, back at our hotel in the convention center, and, and Cam is, is leading that group. Make sure, so. Cam, make sure Cam knows that our branch of the Glenn family tree is proud of how he has represented the Glenn name during his time at Wake Forest. You guys, you guys look incredibly similar. I so know. Make sure he knows I, I mean, you know, good, if you're good-looking, Coach, if you're a handsome man, it all starts to blend together after that. What's the biggest challenge against Memphis? And then we'll let you go with uh, one other question. Yeah, anytime you get to a bowl, you're going to play a good football team. And uh, – you know, Memphis has had a good year. They really had UCF beat twice. And you're talking about an offense that's fourth in the country, averages almost 45 points a game. They average 285 rushing yards a game. They're really good up front. And defensively, I think they're very underrated, that they've got some really good players. And they do a great job of creating turnovers and uh, getting the possessions back. So any bowl game you play in, you're going to play a good football team. And I think anybody – who watched Memphis play UCF. I mean, they were up 17 points against an undefeated football team in their championship and, and really should have won the football game. So we know we're playing against a good team. 
But that goes anytime you play in a bowl, you're, you're never going to not play against a good football team. You are one of the few who played both Clemson and Notre Dame this year. I know you're focused on Memphis and only Memphis. If you could turn into a color commentator for 60 seconds or less, uh, based on what you experienced against the Irish and the Tigers, what, what comes to mind about that matchup? Well, it's just, uh, number one, it's going to be a great football game, and both teams obviously had great success, and they're both undefeated. And I, I just think, you know, Notre Dame plays uh, against us. They played a lot of man coverage, and, uh, and they can rush the passer. So I think, you know, Clemson's ability to protect and get open and make uh, big plays in the passing game is going to be key for them. And then, you know, Notre Dame has one, one of the better offensive lines we played against. Clemson's front four is elite. This might be the best front four we've ever faced. And I think that will be another key matchup to watch is that can Notre Dame consistently run the football? Uh, can they protect? Can they make first downs and keep Clemson's offense off the field? Is the movie Stripes enough of an ageless, timeless movie that you can still use I am the acorn that becomes the oak when you're talking to prospects and their families? Or is it just too outdated yeah, that, at this point? Yeah, I'll be honest with you, David, that one even sometimes with the parents now dates them. So that's kind of uh, that's going to be my DG special. All right, that so will... that'll, be, that'll be something that we keep between us. All right. We know what we mean, and it'll be kind of our duty and one of our missions in life is to educate your younger radio yeah. audience what the acorn should become. I think you have a point there, Coach. This is not something we can let fade into the yellowed pages of history. These children and young folks need our help. I'm glad you're there for me in that regard. Good luck against Memphis, and as always, thanks for squeezing us in during a crazy week here on the David Glenn Show. Anytime, David. Thanks so much for having me on. You got it. Always fun. Deeks, Memphis, Saturday, noon, ESPN. Back-to-back-to-back to back to back bowls have happened only once in Wake Forest history.